Hi, and welcome to the Day One Podcast. My name is Simon Moran, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Mr. Mike Lofton. Mike, how's it going today? Very good. Thank you. So uh, we talked a little bit about the premise of the Day One Podcast and the purpose behind it. So to start off, um, where did you originally grow up and what was that uh, experience like for you? Well, I grew up right here in the great state of Arizona. Um, so I'm a native. I think there are six of us left, although with coronavirus, we might be down to five now. I'm not sure. I <laughs> uh, went to Greenway High and then a little bit of college and off to work. Now, how long have you lived uh, in Arizona then? 56 years. Okay. Yeah. And was there any time spent outside of Arizona uh, while you were growing up then? or? Well, while I was growing up, not much. We had uh, a vacation every two or three summers or so to Disneyland. That was about as big as my world was then. But then later after I got into business, uh, my travels uh, increased and not for the reasons I would have hoped. And you touched a little bit on your education. Where did you, you said you went to Greenway. Um, what was some of that younger uh, education experience like for you? Did it shape you in any way? Any experiences that you had during that time that uh, you'd like to share? Sure. Uh, yeah, big time. On the positive side, uh, I was an adequate student uh, and I was a mediocre plus athlete. So I had a great experience through high school, through about my sophomore year, when my world got turned upside down, my dad died suddenly, and uh, we had to move from our home into another home, and I was able to finish high school. Um, we won a state championship, actually our school's very first, my senior year in baseball, and I was proud to be part of that team. Um, and about a year after my father died, uh, I met a really, really pretty girl that I hadn't gotten her attention to that point yet. and. 40 years later, she still hasn't run me off. <laughs> so during that time, um, obviously that could have been a trying time for you with your father and whatnot, but were there any significant mentors that you had growing up that you looked to that inspired you to what you do today? Yes. He doesn't know it because he's been dead a long time. My, my maternal grandfather, Charlie, was a postman and... Uh, Charlie's first wife, my maternal grandmother, Mary, stroked very early in my mother's life. So my mother raised her and, uh, you know, of course, my grandfather uh, did most of it. And when I was in about the fourth grade, she finally died. My grandfather gets married again. And within six months of his marriage, his new wife strokes exactly like, you know, his previous wife. He nurses her for 10, 11 years. And... Um, she finally passes away. And then he meets a gal, Millie, who was 10, 15 years his senior. And at this time, my grandpa Charlie's in his later 60s, early 70s. So Millie was in her 90s. And they hit it off for the last few years of their life. Uh, my grandpa Charlie was finally able to go dancing for the first time in his adult life. And I can remember watching how happy he was and uh, how he always served. He never gave up. And he always uh, kept a good mood. And um, how he helped me professionally was, he was a lot smarter than I, I gave him, ever gave him credit for when I was a kid. When we would go over to our grandparents' house, and, and that was usually every Sunday, because uh, they lived fairly close. So uh, when we got there, my grandfather had uh, pieces of wood and screws and nails and pliers and hammers and screwdrivers, and he laid them out in the driveway so that 
us kids would play with those while the adults could have some adult time before dinner. And I absolutely loved it. Now, your your main area now is in construction and framing and things like that with Loft uh, Loftco. Um, what what was that first job that brought you into you say playing with playing with those tools and whatnot? But what was that first step? What was that first job that you had uh, while you were younger? Well, so you know, the first step was to go to college. That's what my father wanted, and I thought that is what I was supposed to do. However, um, on my 18th birthday, I was introduced to my new apartment and I hadn't started college yet. And I had to work full time and go to school, which I did. And within about six months, I realized um, it wasn't probably gonna work out for me. And as soon as I was able to emotionally let go that I'm not gonna play baseball any farther, I went out and got to work and unfortunately, I. I followed in my dad's footsteps, which he, in his last letter to me, asked me not to. And so I did. I, I got a job as a union electrician, worked out at the Palo Verde Nuclear Station. And it was a horrible experience. Uh, it's tarnished my, my um, feelings about unions, uh, organized unions, and um, hopefully Lofco never becomes a union. That said, uh, on my last day at Palo Verde Nuclear Station, I am, I'm driving out uh, with a, another friend who's an apprentice with me, and I had just been able to afford some brand new work boots, so I couldn't wait to get them off because work boots uh, really suck for the first sure. week or so. So I've got my legs crossed like this, and I'm taking my boot off. Little did we know, uh, one of the um, union pipe fitters coming up behind us was uh, very drunk, didn't see the... the uh, that the traffic had stopped, plowed into us, we plowed into the next car and so on. I think there were four or five cars involved. And luckily we were young and healthy and we ended up walking away from it. Uh, but about two years, excuse me, two weeks later, I got uh, very, very sick. Uh, as it turns out, my boot had actually torn the, the lining of my appendix and I was gangrene inside. Mm. So uh, that set me off uh, and it gave me some time to be down to think about what I really, really wanted to do. And I, I knew I really wanted to be a carpenter. And so as soon as I was healthy enough to uh, go out and find a job, I did. And as it turns out, I worked for one job, I worked, excuse me, for one company uh, my whole time until I started my own business. And now as a trade, what is what was that experience like? Was it learning on the job or how did you, you know, learn that side of things? Yeah, sure. You know, in the union, we had night school that we, you know, we learned some textbook stuff. And then we, during the day, we would learn on the job. But in the non-union workforce, it was pretty much all on the job training. And, you know, I had an aptitude for it. Um, I didn't realize it, but the last math class that I was really good at and I really enjoyed was geometry. So if you know carpentry, uh, you know that geometry is helpful. And I just happened to be really good at it. Now, over the years, what were the steps that led you to starting your own company and building yourself up to knowing that that's really what you wanted to do? Yeah, so, so I not only worked for one company, I worked for one crew my whole adult life. And in about four years, I became the best carpenter on that crew. And I started yearning for some leadership. I wanted to be a foreman somewhere, a superintendent. 
And as it turns out, um, we were in a recessionary period. The two guys that I'll be forever grateful for, Terry and Art, were my journeymen, and they were senior to me. And so I was in a dead-end job there. I, I, could, I wasn't going to leapfrog those two guys. And so I came home. I'm freshly married. Uh, we have one baby. And I tell my wife, I want to go get my general contractor's license. And she said, great, fine. Go ahead and get that done. And so I went to school for a number of weeks, took the test, passed it. And then uh, about a week after I passed it, I came home to that very same wife. And I said, honey, um, I quit my job. We're going to be a contractor. And she said, you get back in your truck and you go get your job back. We have a baby. This is not a good time. I didn't think you were going to move this fast. I said, honey, we're fine. Everything will be just fine. Trust me. Well, everything wasn't just fine. I, it was 1988. Uh, I think this market was building about 2,500 to 3,000 homes. For perspective, we're building about 25,000 today. And in, in the peak of the go-go days in 2003 to 2006, we were building 60,000. So there was no work out there to be had at a price that I, a new guy could afford to stay in business. So I lost our savings. And I went off to Palmdale, California to work as a carpenter um, and saved up uh, several thousand dollars and came back and tried it again. And this time I got it. Now, the first few years of a new business are the most important. It's, it's what's going to make or break you. Essentially, if you haven't really done something big by year three, you probably you should just close the door and, and walk away from it. So what were those uh, key moments that you had, obviously coming back and rebuilding after you saved up? What were those big things that really projected you to go on to the success you've had? Well, probably the biggest thing was that I didn't have any fear of hiring guys that were better than me. And that came from my previous crew. I just explained earlier, uh, I actually hired both of those guys later. And as it turns out, after I quit my job, that company went out of business about a year later, so they were available. And I just continued to hire really, really good talent and not be intimidated by it. And over the years, they came to respect me for being their much younger boss. And I think that's probably what set me up to be one of the bigger players in my space at that time. Now, you've been in business for quite a while, so you've seen a lot as far as the different changes in the market go. You've mentioned a recession. You've been through a few of them through your time. Talk a little bit about what that experience is like and how it really affected your business and how you got through it. Well, this may shock you, but starting a business in a recession is a great idea because by that time, only the best guys are still out there working. And if you can compete and at least stay even or slightly behind those guys, when times turn, you are going to be set up for success in a big way. So recessions don't scare me. Been through, um, we first started 88, uh, in the uh, middle 90s, 2000, of course 2008, and now it appears that we may be uh, ready for the next one. 
that's that's a point you know i i'm getting tired of hearing so much about the coronavirus right now but it's obviously a topical uh thing at the moment so what effect has that had on the companies that you're still still working with and and where do you see that going at this moment well luckily it this crisis, if you will. I, and by the way, I'm tired of hearing about it too. I'm taking it as seriously as I think it should be taken seriously, which is darn serious. But we're, uh, I'm not going crazy like a lot of people. Um, so this time in, in our construction company, the recession, I, this isn't a recession yet, but it's likely to be a little one. It's not centered around construction. So my construction company is running similarly to prior coronavirus. We're practicing some, you know, physical distancing. I don't like the term social distancing. I think that's dehumanizing uh, us. And we're just taking a few more safety precautions. Uh, it, it's just conducive. This type of virus is conducive to construction because we're usually six feet apart from one another and there's not much body-to-body -body contact. Now, at Capital Fund, we um, have had to make more changes. We're all working from home. Uh, just to minimize the interaction, but that's about it. You know, mm -hmm. we're 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 carrying on. We're not well, panicking. That's, that's the biggest thing is is the market was at all time highs here in Arizona. We're experiencing huge growth rates as far as you know people needing places to live and whatnot so you know it really is a bummer you know i saw something on twitter where it's like you know did anybody else almost have their life put together before all this happened so that's kind of where we were really at as far as you know where the market was and whatnot so you know going through these times what is your experience on you know maybe having your employees or whatnot focus more on the positives and sharing the positives as opposed to the negative side of things? Well, you know, that does come down to one main factor. That's leadership. Um, I'm fond of saying, you know, there's no bad teams. They're just bad leaders. And if leaders are going to panic or overreact, of course, the people they're leading, their followers are going to do the same thing. So I, at Lofco, I've got a key group of three executives that are very confident, very tenured, and very level-headed. And that is permeating down, you know, down to our, you know, crew members. So that's, that's what's, uh, that's what we're doing. And we plan to continue doing so until somebody says we can't. Now, as an entrepreneur over the years, what has been some of the areas that you've you've learned and, and, you know, some of the advice that you've received from other people through the experiences that you've had that really impacted you that you would share with other entrepreneurs, you know, wanting to start a business or whatnot? Well, that's uh, that's an easy question. You know, I was a very good technician. I was the best carpenter that I ever knew in, in my own little mind. But I did not know administration, and luckily, uh, my wife did know administration. So she taught me the numbers. I could put it together, but I didn't know the numbers like I should have, and she did. So, I'm, and, I, and I'm counseling my eldest daughter right now, who has just started a new business, to engage with her mother as quickly as possible to know the numbers. And if you know the numbers, it doesn't matter the industry you decide to get in, you'll be likely successful. And, you know, starting a business early on takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of long hours. Um, 
what was your, how did you structure your day and how did you um, focus on work and focus on family and time outside of work as well? Wow. See, in the beginning, it was, it was work and sleep. Um, and that's really not a huge exaggeration. There were uh, days that I didn't see my children awake. I would you know, run crews during the day and then head to my office and work until long past they were asleep. So, um, you know, I just did everything I needed to do uh, so that someday I could do everything I wanted to do. And it seems to be working. Okay, so going from the construction business and Lofco to starting Capital Fund, what was that transition like and where did that desire come from to start that? Well, it was more of a need. So uh, during the Great Recession, you know, housing led the way on that. It was our fault. We were building far too many houses and consumers were, instead of buying homes for domiciles, they were speculating. Now, um, during 2008 through 2012, Lofco lost a significant amount of money. And so I didn't wait to take action. I learned about these courthouse, uh, court step sales for people who you know, bought fix and flip homes or were speculating. I could go down to the courthouse, buy them, fix what needed to be fixed, sell them and make a small profit. And that was helpful because Lofco was bleeding out. It was uh, leading, excuse me, bleeding a lot of money. And so we scaled that up pretty good. We were, were doing, uh, I think we did maybe 150 units uh, by the time we stopped. And what inspired me to stop uh, was a good buddy of mine who is now my partner at Capital Fund. And I met for lunch and he was a land guy and his land company was bleeding as badly as Lofco and he was out flipping homes too. So we met for lunch to sort of share best practices. And he says to me, have you ever thought about financing these guys instead of doing it? Cause the margins are thin and it takes a lot of work. We could set up a fund of family and friends and do this. So I said, no, I haven't. And he showed me his business plan and I said, I'm in, uh, as I flip through these next number of houses, I'll just start feeding the fund with my investment. And the rest is, I guess the proverbial history, um, in 2020 where we, we actually are the biggest hard money lender in this market. Okay, sure. Now, obviously that, that changes the course of your career a little bit. And since then you've gone ahead and retired and you're the chairman of both companies at this point and, you know, have, have taken a step back from both companies. Um, what made you decide to do that and what told you that it was the time was right? Well, so I'm getting older. I hope I never get old, but you know, I really am that guy now. Um, I'm that guy that's supposed to be grooming the next generation. So it was an easy step at Lofco. I had my presence been with me for 30 years of my 32 years. So he was ready. He was overdue ready. And his two key reports were just about ready. So it was, it was quite obvious that the, the changing of batons was, was timely. So I struck a deal with the three of them to start, excuse me, participating in that operating income uh, on top of their salaries that they were making. And it's started in 2017. And this year, uh, it's a, it's a big success, especially for those three guys. 
And I know an entrepreneur, you know, me myself being an entrepreneur that you never want to slow down and you always have a desire to get up and do something. So how do you spend your days now? And and what is that stuff that drives you to get up in the morning and and still make change? Well, I'm a voracious reader. Uh, It's what I do for a hobby. I I probably get 50, 100 pages a day in on a on a good day. Uh, I'm taking care of my physical health. I've, I've always believed that. My physical health is my number one priority because self first isn't selfish. It's actually selfless. If I'm in good shape mentally and physically, I can make an impact and I am making an impact. You, you spoke of mentors earlier. I have had a uh, mentor since the middle 1990s, Barry Libman, who I love like a father. And he's now in his later 70s. And I mentor uh, young students from uh, public school, fourth grade, until they're off to college, uh, business professionals. And in some cases, these guys turn into business owners. So that's what I'm doing. And over the next five to 10 years, where do you see the course of that going? And where do you see your involvement growing? Well, mentoring, you, you know, it, it's been such a benefit for me that, that I was so unexpected. My mentor, Barry, told me early on in our relationship, uh, our lunch, our, excuse me, our meetings were usually around a lunch. We'd end it with lunch and then I, you know, I'd drop him off at his office and he would always get out of my truck and say, gosh, Mike, I am learning so much with you. And he said that enough times where I finally said, Hey, Barry, you don't, you don't have to say that. I, I I'm, I'm, I don't need that. And he kind of glared at me like I'd not seen him glare at me before. And he goes, Hey, if I wasn't getting something out of this, I'd have quit you a long time ago. So you bring your A game because I'm, I'm counting on it. Then, you know, shortly thereafter, he convinced me to mentor a young child, a fourth grader. And I just can't tell you how rewarding that has been for me to see a young person uh, economically challenged, break that cycle, go to college, you know, not only the first to graduate high school, but the first to graduate college and is now on the East Coast teaching and it just feels great. And I know, you know, I've made a difference in that kid's life and his family's life. And along with a few other you know, business professionals that I continue to mentor. So I'm, I'm going to keep doing that. And as far as uh, people who are, who are listening that are interested in connecting with Loftco or, or Capital Fund, what is a way that they could go about doing that or learning a little bit more about what you do? Well, uh, Loftco it has a website. It's loftco.com uh, with a T. And Capital Fund One, the number one, also has a website. That's probably the the easiest way to find out what we do. Both websites are pretty sophisticated. Lofco's not as much as Cap Funds, but plenty good. Awesome. Well, Mr. Mike Lofton, I appreciate you sitting down with me today and, and uh, joining us on the Day One Podcast. Well, I've, it's been my honor. And if you don't mind me closing with one thing that I would tell all young entrepreneurs or really anybody with ambition. You know, the formula for success is pretty simple. It's not easy, but all the guy's got to do is find out what the price of their success is and pay it. It's really that easy. Get out there and do it. Awesome. Thank you very much.